everyone, you're listening to Bionic Bug Podcast with fiction author and national security expert Natasha Bajma. Join me as I discuss the latest news about emerging technology, read chapters from Bionic Bug, and explore the real-life technologies featured in my novel. We'll discuss where fiction meets reality in the future. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bionic Bug Podcast. You are listening to episode number 27. This is your host, Natasha Bajma, fiction author, futurist, and national security expert. I'm recording this episode on October 21, 2018. I'm excited to deliver a bonus episode this week. Uh, there's been so many interesting tech headlines lately, I couldn't resist sharing more, even especially since recent headlines have featured technologies I use in my fiction novels. So this will be a special episode where I talk about technology specifically in my books. I am also thrilled to announce that Project Gecko is available as a paperback on Amazon. I'll include the link in my show notes. I hope you check it out. So my first headline is not a headline, but rather a YouTube video to demonstrate the rising quality of deep fakes. So what is a deep fake? It is essentially a video that has been edited uh, with uh, additional footage that makes it look real. So you can pretty much put words in politicians' mouths by using past footage of them and adding different words um, that they use, different makeups. And using artificial intelligence is becoming easier and easier to do this. In Project Gecko, I use fake photos as a tool of blackmail. This week, I watched a short video where you can see that a young Harrison Ford has been inserted into the new Han Solo movie. You can see for yourself how authentic such videos can be and ponder the implications for social media, politics, and elections. My second headline is how swarms of superintelligent drones are taking over live entertainment, published on Gizmodo on October 10, 2018. Of course, you've probably already seen a drone show at a major sports event on TV or possibly in person. A few years ago, Lady Gaga took stage during the Super Bowl halftime show and sung to a swarm of drones flying above. There was also a drone show at the opening of the Winter Olympics in February. This is becoming increasingly more common, which fits very nicely with the drone show featured in the start of Bionic Bug. My third headline is Volocopter Flying Taxi Sets Down in Singapore, published in newatlas.com on October 18, 2018. German aviation startup Volocopter has tested an 18-rotor electric aircraft in Dubai already. This is essentially a passenger drone, and it has plans to begin testing in Singapore and launching the first-ever taxi service by drone in that city. This is particular fun because Lara makes her fear and dislike of passenger drones Clear at the beginning of Bionic Bug, in Project Gecko, she must confront that fear head-on and decide if she's ready to take a ride. Finally, several weeks ago, I talked about how police were able to determine the identity of the Golden State Killer by comparing his DNA profile that they had found on the scene of the crime to those loaded up in a free online genealogy database. Several additional headlines on this issue came out recently. The first is... The DNA technique that caught the Golden State Killer is more powerful than we thought, published on TheVerge.com on October 11, 2018. Several scientists have published a research paper in Science Magazine suggesting that nearly an entire population could be identified using a small base of samples. These scientists have devised a way to extrapolate from incomplete samples, building out a broader picture of the genome than originally tested. Taking together, 
Taken this together, those techniques could allow researchers to identify nearly anyone using only existing samples, a frighteningly powerful tool for DNA forensics. What does this mean? What this means is that it may not matter that you haven't had your DNA mapped or uploaded into an online database. Soon, there will maybe sufficient genomes available to determine your identity simply from any DNA samples left behind. Basically, you leave skin behind, you leave anything saliva on a cup behind, someone could take that sample and potentially identify you, your name, without being in a database. Okay, that's scary, right? Let's turn to Bionic Bug for some comic relief, or maybe not. Last week, Lara was attacked by a swarm of Bionic Bugs. Will she get the plague? Let's find out what happens next. Chapter 27, Infection. Lars stood outside Maggie's apartment door, ringing the doorbell over and over. No one answered. She pounded her fist. Come on, answer. The bites on her body tingled, itched, and stung all at the same time. It took all the restraint she could muster not to scratch at them. Her cheeks flushed hot, and she put her hand on her clammy forehead. Is it even possible for a plague infection to set in so quickly? She had tried Maggie's cell several times. It was unlike her friend not to answer her phone. She kept it in her pocket at all times. Lars' arms hung from her body like weights. She stared down at the door, imagining boring a hole straight through the gray steel, but it seemed her superpowers were on hold today. I might have to go to the ER after all. Lara rested her head against the door. The metal felt cool against her cheeks. That feels nice. The thought crossed her mind that she probably looked ridiculous, leaning her face on Maggie's door, but she didn't care. Just as she was about to give up, she heard something unexpected. Is that? Wait, did I hear someone giggle? Does Maggie have someone over? Lara rang the doorbell again. Finally, a shuffling of feet approached the other side of the door, and the lock disengaged. Opening it a crack, Maggie peered out. She wore a plush green bathrobe, but it was her flushed face and tousled auburn hair that really grabbed Lara's attention. Lara, what are you doing here? Maggie's voice sounded tense. Lara tried to look inside the apartment, but Maggie intentionally blocked the view. I'm sorry to bother you, but I, I had nowhere else to go. Maggie glowered. That didn't stop you from leaving my apartment the other day without saying a single word. What gives, Lara? Lara shifted her weight around on her feet. She didn't know how to raise the fact that she found Sully's keys in Maggie's kitchen, so she'd avoided her friend altogether. The Beatles. I was... I was surrounded by... by... Lara's voice trembled slightly, her eyes filling with tears. Her clothes were soaking through with sweat. A single tear rolled down her cheek. Maggie's stern disapproval melted slowly as her eyes scanned Lara from head to toe. What happened? You look terrible. Here, come inside and tell me everything. I'll make you a good strong cuppa and some biscuits. Maggie's Australian accent soothed Lara as she took her arm gently and pulled her into the apartment. Do you want English breakfast or Old Grey? Old Grey is fine, thanks. When the door opened wider, Lara's mouth fell open at the sight of Sanchez sitting on Maggie's couch, half-dressed. He fumbled awkwardly with the buttons on his shirt and gave her a sheepish smile. Detective? Lara continued to gape at him. 
Sanchez looked back at her with big brown eyes as his cheeks flushed, but then he shrugged and waved off his embarrassment. It was obvious what she had walked in on, but she was too distraught to have an opinion. She sat down on the metal stool, rested her elbows on the kitchen island, and stared at the marble countertop in a daze. Maggie put the kettle on the stove, turned on the burner, and took out a cup, saucer, sugar, and milk for tea. Are you going to tell me what happened? Her voice was gentle and soft. Lara nodded groggily. I was in Foggy Bottom, paying, paying Fiddler's daughter another visit. She glanced over at Sanchez. By the way, it was her car at the warehouse. I tracked her today in a silver Honda. Here's the plate number. She showed the detective the photo on her smartphone. The detective sat on the stool next to her. Did you get any, for any more information on from her? No, she appears to have left town indefinitely. Well, now that's suspicious behavior, Maggie said. I'll call it in right now and put a bolo on her car, Sanchez said, pulling out his phone. Lara grimaced. I'm not sure she's involved in any of this. But yes, I can see how her skipping town makes her look guilty of something. Detective Sanchez nodded. Her presence at the warehouse and connection to her father makes her a person of interest in this case. Sighing, Lara continued. Anyway, she left me a library book, and I found my baseball glove at her practice. I thought it burned up in the fire, but it turns out someone stole it. What? Where is it? Detective Sanchez asked. In my seat compartment with the library book. Do you think Anita took it? Maggie asked. Uh, I don't know uh, how or why she would. It would mean she was at my house after the fire, and that doesn't feel right to me. Sanchez rubbed his chin. We'll get it tested for prints and DNA. Maybe the glove will tell us something about how it got there. What's the deal with the library book? It's a travel guide on Australia that fit Fiddler checked out ten years ago from the Tacoma Park Neighborhood Library. I think Anita is trying to help us find out where her father is hiding out. Sure, she's helping us, the detective grunted. If Fiddler had a library card, then he gave them a real address. From ten years ago. He rubbed his forehead. We might actually find him. Sarcasm laced his tone. The kettle started to whistle. Maggie took it off the stove and poured hot water into a teacup and set the mug and a saucer full of cookies down on the counter in front of Lara. You should wait for it to steep for a few minutes. Lara nodded, pulling the mug close to her and stuffing a cookie in her mouth. The warmth of the mug on her hands comforted her. I was heading over to the library to check it out, but then a swarm of those awful genetically modified Christmas beetles attacked me. They crashed into me all at once and started biting. It was hard to breathe. Oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry. Maggie came over and put her arms around her and hugged her tightly. Lara pulled away. They bit me several times. What if... Lara showed Maggie one of the wounds on her arm. Her friend's eyes grew large. She grabbed Lara's arms and lightly brushed the spot with her finger, which made Lara wince. That hurts? Maggie asked. Yes, they're all inflamed, itchy, and painful, Lara said. Maggie inspected the bites on her body. Hmm... The beetles must have injected saliva into your skin, and you're having an allergic reaction. Do you think I have the plague? Lara asked, biting her lip. If it helps, I, I did manage to catch one of them. It's in my... You brought one with you? Maggie asked, her eyes lighting up. It's outside, in the compartment underneath the seat of my motorcycle. I can't touch it again. I'm too... That's okay, mate. I'll go get it. Maggie went into her kitchen, grabbed a plastic container, and then disappeared into her bathroom. She came out with gloves and tweezers, grinning from ear to ear. I'll be right back. Bring the baseball glove and the book while with you while you're at it, Sanchez commanded a bit too gruffly. Maggie glared at him as she walked out the door. 
Lara and the detective sat in awkward silence at the kitchen island. Lara sipped her tea. So you and Maggie, huh? Yeah, Sanchez avoided her gaze. How did that happen? Lara's mouth curved into a smile. The detective shrugged his shoulders. We met when I picked you up in her lab, and uh, I called up with some follow-up questions. Follow-up questions, eh? Lara raised her eyebrows, smirking at him. She's a great girl, Sanchez said. Lara's face became serious. I know she is, so don't mess it up. He nodded, but his lips formed a deep frown. He probably hated that she knew his personal business, which gave Lara an edge. She was okay with that. Maggie walked back into the apartment, her eyes lit up with excitement, and held up a plastic container. It's a good thing I keep basic assay materials in the apartment. I'll test the beetle now to see if it's carrying the plague. Then we'll know what to do with you. Maggie pulled out a black medical bag from her closet. Inside were all sorts of plastic gadgets and gizmos that looked like they came from a laboratory. After a few minutes of searching, she took out a dipstick. This rapid immunoassay test is capable of detecting Yersinia pestis, the bacteria that causes the plague. I just need a sample of saliva from the beetle. Maggie opened the container and grabbed the beetle with her fingers. Lar shivered and turned away. Maggie smirked. Don't worry, I already am removed the microelectronics package outside. We don't need anyone overhearing this conversation. And we certainly don't want this fiddler character knowing we're on to him. The beetle struggled to get free while Maggie inserted a needle into its mouth part to extract saliva. When she finished, she put the beetle back into the container, closed the lid tightly, and put it in the freezer. That beetle won't bite anyone else. Lara breathed a huge sigh of relief. Maggie put droplets of the saliva into the dipstick and laid it on the counter. How long do we have to wait? Lara asked. A few minutes. It's like a pregnancy test. If it changes color, the sample is positive for the bacteria. They stared at the dipstick in silence. Thanks for listening to the Bionic Bug Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can also support my time in producing the show with Patreon at www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Natasha Bajma. See you next week.